up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode. Although there's no real action, nobody fights or anything. <laughs> oh. oh, welcome to yet another episode of Got Fit in Japan. I'm your host Johnny. Unfortunately, Tom is not here. Uh, we've got a scheduling conflict because um, he's got a day job now. Tom is now working. He's doing the old nine to five, and uh, we're going to learn about that in the next episode when we have him in. Because I'm going to grill him on the ins and outs. <laughs> of working, slaving to the grind again. I think he's had about a month off of just doing nothing except for drinking uh, in the park. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Well, I want to find out about that too because he keeps all that shit secret. You know, he seems like a very pretty outgoing guy, but uh, in reality, he's like he just mumbles a lot when he drinks. So we'll figure it out. And um, but you know, don't fret for today because today we have an, a special guest. We have Mike, Michael, Mikey. Mike Yeomans. Mike Yeomans! Mike, Mike Yeomans, thank you very much for being on the show, and thanks for buying beer. Cheers. You're very, very welcome, sir. I love it when somebody joins the show, and then they buy beer. They're like, dude, can I be on the show? I'm like, fuck yeah! Can I buy you beer? Fuck yeah! <laughs> That's what I love, man. It's like a double yes. It's a double fuck yeah. Oh, and before we move forward and saw faders, got fit in Japan's about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. And today, that's exactly what you got. Two dudes, we got some booze, and uh, we do have the news today, which we'll get to after the break. But I want to learn more about you, Mike, about coming to Japan. I mean, you've lived a full life here in Japan. I mean, even before you came to Japan, you've lived a full life and stuff. Every time I talk to you, you're like, man, in Georgia, I did this, and in Colorado, I did that, and uh, man, Texas, I can't even tell you what I did there. I can't go back either. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, all right, let's start at the beginning. You're born. <laughs> okay, let's not go that far. But um, all right, so tell me a little bit about like coming to Japan and before Japan and stuff. You were living in the States. No, I was living in uh, the UK to start with uh, where I was born in uh, London. Oh, we are going back that far. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in, in England and then um, I moved to Japan in originally in 1987. 1987? September 87. And, and then I stayed here. Not the whole time I haven't been here. You were here for the bubble? I was here for the bubble boom and then once that burst, I kind of um, left for a period. I went to the States. I lived in Georgia for a, for a year in uh, just outside Atlanta called Marietta. Uh-huh. Uh, and... and these days, I spend a lot of time in the States as well, when I'm, whenever I get the time. Uh, and I spend it in Colorado, I've got family and friends there, and then I've got family in Florida, where my mum lives. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time there too. So I love it in America, I always uh, like to go there and hang out and uh, meet people and, um, yeah. Just... Well, with an accent like that, I'm sure you meet people all the time. You're like, all the girls are like, we love James Bond. And you're like, oh, I didn't know this is different than James. Yeah, yeah, James Bond's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's less James Bond and more Michael Caine, I think. <laughs> Michael Caine? Hey, man. Um, yeah, whatever, get those pennies to drop. <laughs> but, oh yeah, we're going to go there. <laughs> but, okay. So, yeah, I've been here uh, quite a long time, but on and off. Uh -huh. So, and then I spent a couple of years in England as well, and then I came back again. And so, I'm kind of, yeah, coming and going, I think, is what it is. All Jet about. setting. Jet setting, and yeah, exactly. Awesome. Wait, can you tell me a little bit about the, the time when the bubble was banging here? Because a lot of people now don't really remember the bubble here. Like, they think now is the bubble, <laughs> which is completely opposite. I mean, I heard, like, in the 1980s, like, the late 80s, that's when, like, people would just give you $100 just to have a drink with them. Like, oh, you're a foreigner. Um, I'll give you $100 just to have a drink with me. And you're like, ah, I take 200 and it better be a strong drink. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, Japan on the first time of 87, I mean, a lot of these station signs were still um, 
written in Japanese only, in kanji and in hiragana, but not in English or katakana. So um, that was kind of fun to start with because you didn't understand anything. We're <laughs> just looking at uh, where am I travelling to? Where am I travelling to? Mm. So I memorised the railway lines by colour. Um, but the other thing about the bubble boom was there was so much money floating around. You could walk into any job when you got off the plane here. You didn't need to have any credentials or anything. You just walked in. You were a foreigner. You were white, you know, Caucasian. They, they had the, the demand for English was there. So you found jobs and it was very, very well paid, you know, for not doing that much work, really, if you think about it. What kind of jobs were available, like the top three jobs? In those days, it was still English teaching very much in those days. Um, when people used to make a lot of money, yeah, universities or even the language schools paid good money in those days when they were popular mm-hmm. and, and in demand, you know, bilingual and Nova and uh, companies like that. So, um, yeah, there was just money everywhere and everyone was just spend, spend, spend. Companies would spend an absolute fortune on parties and stuff, you know, and um, you'd be out partying all the time and just blowing money right, left and centre and thinking, doesn't matter because next month I'll get a load more. You know. What was like the monthly salary back then? All right, back then you you were an English teacher or were you doing banking the, or finance or? Oh no, I was doing English teaching in those days when I came over, mm-hmm. um, and I was taking home somewhere between four and five hundred thousand yen a month, easy. Five G's a month in, in those the days. In, in the in the late eighties, you could easily do that. Yeah. Holy shit, greed is good. <laughs> it was bad, and then course about 92 93 i think then the bubble kind of burst people stopped spending economy dips and then it's just been like that pretty much ever since i guess what was like okay back then Rapongi was actually a cool part of town yeah it was it was where all the clubs were or they probably still are but i used to hang out down there at the lexington queen lexington what's the lexington queen it's a um, a nightclub in Rapongi. I'm not even sure if it's still there. I don't think so. I, if it is, it's. I think it might be like gay or something. It used to be in a basement, and uh, what happened is it was good because all the celebs that came over from the UK and the States and elsewhere, you know, like film celebrities and musicians and stuff, when they came to tour or to promote something, they'd always hang out at the Lexington Queen afterwards. So you'd see like Harrison Ford. Well, it could be anybody, yeah. I mean, I went down there when La Bamba first came out and went down there and they had the cast of La Bamba and all the directors and producers and film crew and everybody there. La Bamba? La Bamba, yeah. Holy shit, wow. That's that's pretty impressive. Luke Diamond Phillips and co. And it was just, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. It was always exciting down there. Mm-hmm. Well, I was young then as well, you know, I was in my 20s, so it was kind of wild. Hey, man, you still pr- look pretty good, man. You, you carry your age well. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, man, so do I, dude. <laughs> so, we're we're dude, doing well. I, I, I don't know. I think it's the radiation or it's the sushi, man, because fucking, I, I go to the doctor and stuff. I'm like, doctor, I apologize before I go to the doctor. I'm like, hey, listen, man, I drink like a fish. My liver hurts. Um, um, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Now I do snooze. Um, yeah, so whatever like the numbers are, I apologize. Don't be freaked out. He takes my blood. About a week later, I come back in and stuff. He's like, you've got the body of a 20-year-old. I'm like, wait, but have you seen this gut? He goes, yeah, the gut's fine. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. Is this the fountain of youth? Or is it what I'm holding in my hand, the fountain of youth? Asahi super dry. Must be in the jeans, man. That's what I think it is. <laughs> Levi's. Holy shit. <laughs> it's Levi's. Or Wrangler's, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> mm. So I guess that's it. So the 80s were awesome. Why did you leave Japan if it was so good? Uh, it was after the boom had gone. And also, I was just tired of it here. I needed a break. I needed to get away from it for a while. And it does that to you sometimes, this place. 
I leave Tokyo every three months. Right, and that's why I spend I'm kind of similar. I, I spend a lot of time in the States because I want to get out of here. I need to get to open spaces away from people mm-hmm. and, um, and take it in a different perspective. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, I leave Tokyo every three months. I either go to Niigata, I go to Osaka. I, I just got to go somewhere, you know? So, For me, it's actually just to get out of Japan itself, you know, really, just to get away from everything and just go to something more familiar, at least culturally for me, mm. where I can feel more comfortable. It's just, a, that's all it is, really. Yeah, you should become a painter or illustrator or something. You're stuck in your room. <laughs> well, you, I'm You've got to leave and get two people after that. If you're, like, for example, I'm in my studio for, like, maybe, like, 24 hours just working, 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 trying to meet a deadline. And then I'm like, oh, God, take me to the bar. <laughs> I'm calling taxis. I'm like, take me anywhere. Uh-huh. Well, I've got my music studio, which I use, which keeps me busy uh, a lot of the time. So um, it's kind of similar to your painting, I guess, in that way, you know. Awesome. And that is, that's, that's Bleep. Blip Pilot. Blip Pilot, yes. Yes. Now, can you tell us about Blip Pilot? What, what is the beginning, the origins, the name, everything? So how did you get involved in music? Oh, gosh, that goes back to 1981. Uh, when I punk rock or hardcore or I did used to go to a club and I did have punky hair and fashions and stuff I used to listen to a lot of Susie and the Banshees and Bauhaus and uh, other uh, bands um, but um, the in Damned the yeah oh, in the Damned, damned. I saw them live Ooh. twice the Damned they were just really? absolutely mental yeah neat 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 oh man Completely great mental. song but um, yeah so 81 a friend of mine bought a synthesizer an analog synthesizer mm-hmm. and uh, invited me around his house one day and just said you know check out this new toy I've got. Mm-hmm. So I kind of checked it out. I thought, oh, this is like really, wow, I can do all kinds of stuff on this. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, well, I think I might go and buy one as well. Mm-hmm. So then I went and bought a synth and then we just teamed up and started playing music, bought a drum machine, sequencer, linked them all up, started coming up with ideas and before you know it, we're starting to play music. So that started back, back in 81. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it ever since, I guess. Sometimes with bands, but uh, in more recent times alone. And it's solo, really. Which do you prefer? I, I've got friends that prefer playing a solo. I've got other friends that need a band. I've done both. Um, prefer, preference. I mean, you have a good camaraderie in the band if you've got good friends in it, so you can really enjoy yourself working with other people, working off other people. Um, but eventually it's going to become a strain or you'll get differences or directional differences and ideas and sometimes you clash and then it starts to fall apart. So, But if you're working alone, you, you, the only person you've got to fall out with is yourself. So, you know, unless you're going to fire yourself from the band. Uh, yeah. In the arts, man, it's a mental struggle sometimes. Mental struggle. So, yeah, you have to sort of police yourself with what you do, but at the same time you've got to... You know, complete freedom over what you do. So, there's there's pros and cons to both. Mm. But it's great working in a band with other people because they'll do something that you can't do, and vice versa. That's true. But what about Blip Pilot? How did that get started? What is Blip Pilot? What was the name stand for? Uh, I came up with the name two thousand and one. Um, Blip Pilot. Blip is a short radar signal or a short synthesizer sound or a UFO, mm-hmm. and then uh, Pilot is a controller someone that sort of guides it and stuff. So mm-hmm. I just thought it looked kind of good. Sort of even written out, Blip Pilot. Oh, it looks kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I've just stuck with the name ever since, really. And what is Blip Pilot? It's electronic music. Um, I've been using synthesizers, obviously, since 1981. So that's my uh, 
instrument of choice. Mm -hmm. I've got loads of synths back home in the studio, uh, mainly analog ones, but some digital, some samplers, and some um, wavetable synthesizers. And I just link them all up and start making music. Um, the early stuff I did was kind of dark and a little bit more sort of experimental mm -hmm. and um, more electronic sounding, some of it dancey, but very sort of synthetic. Uh, and the stuff I do now is kind of a lot warmer and more um, accessible, I think. More band sounding or you know, with electric pianos and organs and stuff rather than just straight synthesizers. If you had to characterize your music in three words, what would it be? Would it be like dark, techno, late 90s? That's more than three words, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd say it's um, electronic, warm, and um, relaxing in some ways, I guess. So, in a way, it's kind of like ambient? It is and it isn't. I don't... Some ambient music kind of makes me fall asleep, really. All right, cool. It's, it's not ambient as such, but it, it does have a kind of laid-back, chilled feel to it. So and there's influences of jazz and influences of soul and influences of electronic music as well. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I the best thing to do is probably go onto YouTube and check some of the tracks out because I've got a few videos up. That oh, might yeah. help to sort of define what, we, what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, plug away, man. Yeah, so just, yeah, go to YouTube, look for Blip Pilot and... Um, got a few videos up and a few tracks we've got music available on uh, iTunes store for download uh, albums on CD baby and uh, various other sites and uh, yeah there you go <laughs> and this blood pilot <laughs> <laughs> all right and so okay you've been doing blood pilot and stuff do you perform out or do you just do stuff that you put on like YouTube or are you selling oh, live like... shows and stuff yeah sure oh yeah yeah I've played many live shows uh, right from back in the day um, played around the UK different cities and towns and clubs um, came to Japan I've played clubs in Tokyo Club Asia Asia um, yeah Xanadu mm -hmm. um, what's the other one um, and some live houses too actually in there as you know Head power, I think it's in Shinjuku, and uh, so when you perform, like, what kind of equipment are you just bringing? Synthesizers or computers, or you get drum machines? Like synthesizers, drum machines, and sequencers, and then I just run everything live, all synced up. That's pretty awesome, man. That's what um, what should we call it? Uh, I should introduce you to this guy. His name's uh, Audio Void. Really good friend of mine from San Francisco. It's pretty much what he does. I mean, he just shows up with like all these machines. He's DJing, and then on top of like the records that he's using and stuff, he's got like five or six other machines where he's like just completely distorting the music and it's just so fucking phenomenal because usually a DJ, especially now, DJs, they, they stand in one place and they just twist knobs like they're like a doctor but you know, or playing the, the game doctor Yeah, it's just like twisting like, okay, bass goes up, bass goes down, mid goes up, trim goes down, gain goes up and down uh, and up uh, and down, left, right, left, right, you know. Playing with the kill switches. Pretty much, right, yeah. you know? But it's just like, uh, when, when people like you or Audio Void are actually working, they're, it's like, I mean, it's like running like fucking, <laughs> I don't know, like running the Death Star, you know? <laughs> There's like a billion buttons to push, and he's putting pushing every single button and fucking running from one side to the other side of the fucking stage, just touching something and, and just, you know, totally Becoming Audio Void, doing what Audio Void does, and it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I do. When I do live, I do it without any. I don't do any DJ sets or um, play anyone else's music. It is my own stuff, and it's all, you know, like drum machines are programmed, sequences are pre-programmed to run, mm -hmm. and then I just sort of play over the top. 
and affect stuff and, and jam over it. Mm -hmm. um, there's another project I do called Ferrograph Tape Machine, which I do with another friend of mine who's a, a British guy that we've been playing together for years now. Yeah. And uh, what we do when we played live is um, set up the machines and jammed it straight, literally from scratch. So we didn't have anything pre-programmed. We would literally build up the rhythm. So it's like an electro jam band. The Ferrograph tape machine is very much like that, yeah. And it's great. You just start to build up a track and then you develop it and then you start to go off on tangents with it. Mm -hmm. and, and then it just changes and flows and, and uh, it's kind of really cool what happens. Well, you should just record that and then just release it. Just call it Jam that's, Set 1. That's how Ferrograph tape machine works. We record all our jam sessions and then we do just put them out. A lot of, we've got a few on YouTube as well for that band as well. So that's Ferrograph Tape Machine. Right, listen, listen. Everybody that's listening to this right now is drinking. you right. got to spell that out because they're like, Ferrograph with a P-H-F-E-R-E-G-R-F. That's an F-E-R-R-O-G-R-A-P-H. Ferrograph. It's Obviously, you haven't had enough to drink. <laughs> Here we go. Ah, Cheers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hang on. I'm looking for my tobacco. I got fucking snooze here fucking somewhere. I can't believe it. Oh, that was nice. Yum, 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 yum. There we go. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Got Fit in Japan. We actually do drink the whole time. Like, we got a couple of emails once, like, you guys aren't really drinking. I'm like, have you seen the size of my liver? <laughs> my wife thought I was the one who was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, speed! I got Al Mori. Do you like Al Mori? Like, uh, you like you know Al Mori, right? Yeah. Do you like Do you like it? A lot of people don't like it. I love it. Not bothered. Okinawa. It's like Okinawa Scotch. Yeah. Pretty uh, much. It's like the the equivalent of Scotch in Okinawa, but it's made in Okinawa. It's kind of like shochu, but only in Okinawa, and they make it fucking ten times stronger. Yeah, I've not really had a bash on that, to be honest. Really, you never. Well, you're not driving or anything. You're wearing a Harley Davidson ja or shirt, but you're not going to drive, right? No, I'm not going to be riding around tonight, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. So, all right, so that's what you're doing. You're doing the music and stuff. Is there anything else you want to say about the music? I want to talk more about the 80s and 90s here in Tokyo. Because like, I came here in the late 90s. I came here in 1998 for the first time. And that Tokyo is 110% different than Tokyo today. Tokyo today, there's like Starbucks everywhere. Everything's just westernized, kind of. People, like when you walk down the street, there's like, fuck it, wherever I go, I see foreigners and stuff. And you know, that's good. You know, there's nothing wrong with that or anything. You know, it's great. But when I first came here, you know, I remember I just moved to Musashi Nakahara, you know, just yeah. on the south side of Tokyo. I moved there and as soon as I, like, I, I just got there and I was doing a homestay. And I remember going to like, you know, the 7-Eleven for their first time and like somebody riding a bicycle and stopping the bicycle and saying like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, he's looking at me like he saw Godzilla or something. And I'm fucking five foot four, dude. I'm a small fucking guy. You know, I'm like, whoa, it's okay. I'm just buying beer. <laughs> you I know? Think in the 80s, I mean, one thing I do remember is... Yeah. Nowadays, there's tourists everywhere in Japan, yeah? I mean, there's foreign tourists from all over the world coming here in large numbers. But back in the 80s, there weren't um, many tourists at all. People just didn't visit here uh, as a tourist for a holiday. But we had lots of foreigners living here to work. So there were a hell of a lot of Westerners living here then that were working, either in English teaching or various other jobs. 
mm-hmm. and um, the numbers were high, you know. But, but now it's the other way around. Now it's tourists everywhere, but not many people come here to live. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Much, much less. Much, much less. By a long shot. Yeah, there's still a lot of people here living here. There is, but I think I think probably after the boom bust, a lot of people left. And then the second thing that, that kind of... Uh, $5,000 a day or a month, I can't get that anymore? I'm out of here! Exactly. And the other thing was a lot of people left after the Great Earthquake. What's up, Baders? Do you like our show? Of course you fucking do. That's why you're tuned in. But have you ever asked yourself if you could get more out of your got-baited experience? Well, now here's your chance, because we are proud to announce our very own Patreon page. But don't freak out. Our podcast was and always will be free, but with your generous donations, we hope to improve it. And since we're all about fan appreciation, we've got the sweet, sweet rewards for our donors. Rewards include, but not limited to, shout-outs, bonus content for interviews and news stories, chances to appear on our show, and even gift packages sent direct to your door. For more information, check out our Patreon. I mean, here, here, drink this. Or at least, you don't have to drink the whole thing. I mean, that's pretty big here. Cheers. Cheers. Um, this is some strong shit, too. This is from Okinawa, so yeah, uh, Okinawa. cheers. Let's just see what this uh, brew is like. Mmm. Well, can you feel the beach? Can you taste the beach? It tastes like salt water a little bit. A little bit, <laughs> and a little bit like suntan lotion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they just make it strong. They're like, let's put everything in this. Yeah. <laughs> They'll sh- drink it, the tourists. Chuck it all in there. Mmm. Um, mm. Where were we? Uh, Flygene, the big earthquake. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, I stayed here for this. I didn't leave. And the reason I didn't leave Me was... too. Why did you hang out with me? I was like one of the few. Well, the thing is, at the time... I remember the French embassy and the German embassy and a few uh, other embassies. Told I know you're their, say. They told their uh, citizens, uh, advised them with emails to to leave. Yeah. Because the Fukushima might explode. And, and they might go put them in like the best hotels in Thailand and the Philippines. They all went there and they had the best right. parties. And then, you, you know what the fucking American embassy did? Nothing. Exactly. Well, the British one uh, didn't do much either. They said, uh, oh, you know, unless we're told otherwise we're going to stay. So we all stayed. But they said, come down and pick up these little iodine pills. Yeah, yeah, the American did that, and they only had 50 pills. Oh, I, I, I went, went down there, and they're like, oh, we ran out. What? What? But, but, what? but I'm an American citizen. Yeah, you know what? Just don't drink the water. <laughs> well, I went down there, and it was like a whole queue of people. But um, anyway, I went there, and they, they gave you an interview and ticked you off and then gave you your pills, told you, you know, good luck and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So as I'm coming out of the place, I could see the queue, and everyone's wondering what's going on. So mm-hmm. I kind of thought... Let's have some fun with these guys. In no, the so as I've come out of the queue, I said, "Yeah, I'd, the interview weren't bad, but geez, that really hurts them sticking it up my jacksie." <laughs> <laughs> oh, love, we gotta get out of here. They're gonna stick something up my jacksie. <laughs> jacksie means ass, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is so, jacksie mean ass? Is it like bum? I thought bum was ass. Yeah, jacksie's up your up your jacksie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, your jacksie. I learn something new every time I do this show. This so is it's like. Um, yeah, I just said all these people looking very worried afterwards. So I thought, <laughs> yes, got them. Oh man! So yeah, there was a, a lot of people left then, I think, and so mm-hmm. it is different. So the yeah, it just feels different as well here. Mm-hmm. It just feel during the bubble boom, it was um, people were like drunk on money, punch drunk on wealth, yeah, punch drunk on power. I mean, yeah. it, you could really feel it. Yeah, I, I don't feel that. There was that a lot at of all. arrogance. <laughs> there was a lot of yeah, there was, and it was it was quite harsh sometimes. 
Um, but Wait, well, how's like how they're like I've got money, motherfucker, making it rain. Throw well, that shit in like, your face. Very, very, no, Japan number one, we're best. You know, we got the best to come. We're the best at everything. You know, you you should be grateful for being here and all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, whatever. Really? Yeah, some people were very much like that. Oh shit! Oh, I didn't know that. I just I thought it was like paradise. Everything I hear from like like the guys that've been here during that time and shit, they're like, yeah, it was great. It was oh, it was great. fun. It was wild because you had parties all the time. And being younger, obviously you attend parties. You meet more people your own age. So the gaijin houses here, foreigners, you know, would stay in like a dormitory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have a, a dormitory party every Saturday. So different places. So we would go to parties every week. Wow. We even had a Yamanote line party on the train. Oh, I, I heard so the about very those. very front of the train, the first carriage on a Saturday night, would say from eight o'clock be on this particular train. As the train does the loop more foreigners would join the front and it would just develop into a party with boom boxes playing and, and beer and drinks flying. And it was oh, funny because as the as you, as you pull into the station, the, the, the train doors would open and you'd be like, Psh! and there'd be all these like Japanese businessmen like, uh, 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 like this and you'd go, here you go, mate, <laughs> give him a beer and then drag him into the train and like get him to dance or something. So, oh man, the good old days. And then the police would come and break it up because someone would grass us up. So. <laughs> oh, but at that time, at that time, they had beer vending machines everywhere. Yeah. So when I came here in like the late, and, n- yeah, beer and cigarettes you could buy, and it was no age restriction on it because it was a machine. So you just put your money in, press the thing you want, and it dispensed what you wanted. So. Oh man, when I first came here, that stuff was still abundant, and then I think the internet killed all the fun mm. because once once the internet, looks well, I came here ninety eight for the first time, then I moved here at the end of nine. 2001, mm. early 2002, I think. And around there and stuff, everything was still full swing, but yeah. the internet was really kind of slow. But then when the internet started picking up and stuff, and they started having all these websites about, in Japan, they got like these, uh, whatchamacallit, panty vending machines, and they got this and this and this and this. And then I think like, you know, the government found out about that, or people complained, or something happened or whatever. And then everything slowly kind of faded away. Now it's all rumors. Like, now whenever I meet somebody, they're like, hey, I heard there used to be vending or penny vending machines. I'm like, yeah, they used to be right there. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I mean, now it's, yeah, I think it's the internet. The internet kills all the good stuff. It makes all the fucking, like, Golden Guy. Golden Guy, dude, you can go to Golden Guy back in the day. When you went to Golden Guy and stuff, everything was Japanese and stuff. Science said no foreigners. And that made it even cooler. Because if you can get into a bar there and stuff in Golden Guy... Then you're like, man, I'm in Golden Guy. But now, no, Japanese people don't go there anymore, really. I remember going to a, we used to go out in a group of people, there's friends and stuff. And I remember going to several places in Shibuya where it just said Japanese only. Yeah. No foreigners, so we, we couldn't get in. So then we would just like go away and we would make our own parties, which were foreigners only parties. Mm-hmm. And we would do exactly the same and just swing it back on them. So, yeah, crazy <laughs> times, really. Uh, but you can't get away with all that shit now. Well, I don't know you say that. Some places are still like that here. I've only been kicked out of one cafe because I was a foreigner. I was like, all right, I, th- I said this story, yeah, I know which I'm going to call it, on the show a long time ago. M- you know Adam 3, right? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Me and Adam 3, we were trying to rent this art gallery in Shimokitazawa, right? Hmm. So we're in Shimokitazawa and the art gallery didn't open, right? Because we're going to go in there and we're going to have a meeting with like the person that owns it and stuff, you know? And it, was, it opened at noon, but we got there at like maybe 11 or something. Right. So I'm like, fuck, dude, let's just walk around and shit, find a cafe, hang out or something. So we're walking around and we see this cafe, right? And this cafe had all these like Western like G.I. Joe toys. Remember like the big ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had those and they had like, they had transformers and shit in the window and stuff. And I was like, this is the cafe to go to, right? 
So me and Adam, we went into the cafe and we sat down and there, nobody was there. It's just us and then like two like maybe, um, what's it called, housewives or something, right? So we're there and there's a guy and an older lady that are just behind like this little bar thing. You know, they're cooking, they're doing something, mm. right? And we're sitting there, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and we don't, we get no service. So I say, Sumimasen! And the lady comes up and stuff, and I'm like, Sumimasen, hotukoi futatsu kudasai. That means two soon. coffees, please. Yeah. Oh, you got it right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Still got it. And so anyway, she leaves and she comes back with this piece of paper and stuff. And it says, if you don't, sp- or, wait, we only speak Japanese. I forget what it said. I forget what it said exactly. But it said something like, if you don't speak Japanese or our staff only speaks Japanese and stuff, you can't speak Japanese and stuff. We can't start something like that. Right. And I'm thinking like to Adam, I'm like, Adam. I just said two hot coffees, right? Mm. And I was like, Sumi said, Hota kohi futatsu kurasai, right? And and then her and the other guy, the younger guy, who I'm assuming is her son, right? It, I'm assuming. I don't know who he was, but it kind of, probably. And and they just ignored us. And we're sitting, and we're sitting, and we're sitting, and we're just waiting, and they just ignored us. And I'm like, well, fuck this place. And so fucking we just left. And I, was, I was so bummed because the mm. interior was so cool. They had toys and yeah, shit all yeah, over yeah, the place. The Downside, they had toys and stuff. Mm. It was like the coolest cafe, but then, you know, they just completely ignored us and stuff. And I, I never went back. <laughs> I was really bummed about that because that was like a... I'm sure the coffee was great. But yeah, that's the only time that like I was... Well, not the only time, but that's the only time where I was like really bummed. Oh, like, loads time, over the years absolutely loads yeah because I went into a bar once and stuff and they wouldn't serve me and shit but this is years ago now in today's world you know that's maybe a benefit because now you know nobody does that you can go anywhere and you're going to get served pretty much yeah more or less yeah it's, it's, it's I can't less, imagine less so you know as it was but it was bad but in, that, the, in the 80s I mean I got turned down in Shinjuku from a sober place you know a stand up noodle place and I just walked in, the guy just went, no foreigners, like that. I just went, no, gaijin, damn it, like this. So, I mean, I've had that loads of times. Not now, but more more than those days. So I guess, you know, the tourism thing is actually kind of good for Japan because it's making people more open-minded. Um, it's certainly better for their business if they act better towards foreigners, yeah, obviously. Oh, man, it's great for their business. That golden, going back to Golden Guy and shit, Golden Guy prices are fucking through the roof now. Sit-down mm. charges are like 600 yen. Yeah. The beer's like 800 to 1,000 yen or something. You sit yeah. down, you have like four beers and stuff, and you're paying like 50 bucks, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Unless you go to uh, my friend bar, my friend's bar, Go, uh, whatchamacallit, was it Deathmatch from Hell? If you go there, <laughs> dude, the guy's the coolest guy. He's fucking, he's got scary, scary movie posters all over the place. Deathmatch from Hell is fucking fantastic. You go there, everything costs 666 yen, and there's no sit-down charge because you can't right. sit down because the place is always packed. There you go. No, it's, it always get good places and bad places. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I've just been here a long time. and No, I love, I love this because, like, a lot of people I talk to these days are just been in Japan for, like, two years, you know? They're like... They're in Japan for two years and stuff, and I'm like, you know, we start talking, and I'm like the old guy. Like, how was it, like, in 2010? I'm like, uh, well, the earthquake didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, this century, I mean, it's it's been a slow burner, as I call it, you know, between 2001 and, say, the earthquake. It was kind of not, nothing really happening, I suppose, here, just kind of very stale, stagnant, um, culturally and politically and uh, you know um, financially so but that kind of woke things up with the earthquake kind of shook excuse the expression shook things up a bit whoa hey, hey. Oh, hey. Oh. 
I mean, it was pretty, you know, it was a difficult time for everyone here, and uh, you know. Yeah, that was a, that was a terrible time for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, try, I made an effort to help people. I put out a, an EP as Hippie Trash Wagon, and the first one was called uh, Songs from the Reactor, and that was to raise money uh, for for Fukushima. So that was the first mm-hmm. thing I put out as Hippie Trash Wagon. So that's awesome. I tried to make some kind of a gesture at least to help. Um, the other thing is just to not leave and be here, really, I suppose. Yeah, well, I mean, this is your home, right? Um, yeah, I've invested time here and stuff. I mean, I think of this as half my home, and then back in the States, I think of it as being half my home there. I'd love to live in the Southwest US. Uh, Southwest? You know, like, where are about in the Southwest? Like, Colorado or...? Colorado, I spend a lot of time in, which is a beautiful state, absolutely gorgeous. It uh, is. Also, New Mexico, um, Arizona is a wonderful state been to Nevada, Utah. They're just, I just love the desert. So you love the desert? I'm a desert lover. And I went there first time, 93, 94, something like that. Yeah. And just blew me away the first time. And the first place I went to was Arizona, uh, Phoenix, and then Tucson. And uh, yeah, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. You've been to a ghost town, right? Loads. I've been to lots of ghost towns. And also visit a lot of uh, graves of gunfighters, famous gunfighters. Or no! should I say Should I say infamous gunfighters? Yeah. <laughs> last, last... Hey, hey, there's no such thing as an infamous gunfighter in the West, in my book. Right. They're so, all famous. <laughs> so last summer I visited uh, Doc Holliday's grave and Kid Curry. Doc Holliday is one of my personal heroes. He's buried in Colorado, a place called... Uh, what is, it, what is, it is that now? Tombstone? No, Tombstone's in Arizona. He, he That was where the OK Corral shootout took place. But he died actually up in Colorado because he had um, uh, tuberculosis, I think. That's right, it was. Um, a lunger, as they used to call them. And um, Glenwood Springs, that's where he's buried. Jeez! Glenwood Christ. Springs Pioneer Cemetery. Uh-huh. And also Kid Curry from the Wild Bunch, mm-hmm. who rode with um, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He's buried there, too. Nice! And also... Uh, about a year ago, I visited uh, uh, Buffalo Bill's grave as well. Really? Yeah. So when you William visit Cody, these... Cody, <laughs> he's buried in Lookout Mountain in Colorado too. So, yeah, I just visit these and pay a little homage to them. And um, Is there... Do people do anything there? Like, all right, I visited a Jim Morrison's grave in Paris when I was uh, 19, 18 years old. My mom, my mom used to live in Paris a long time ago. Right. When I was 18, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> you do the math. So, <laughs> when I went there, there was cops there to make sure that nobody fucked with it. And I'm sure they were there to make sure nobody was doing anything illegal as well, right? But um, when you went, visited the gunfighters, like, graves, were people, like, burying... Did they, like, put, like, a bullet there or something? Or no, flowers? I just, or? Um, I just found flowers there from people that left flowers. And uh, I put a, a little drink or something. Oh, a drink. Oh, yeah. Doc Holiday, you're like... Here's a whiskey, and it's bourbon, not scotch. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that was, um, that's one thing I do when I'm over there. But also in the southwest, it's just the desert. It's beautiful. You've got the cactus in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the colors of the rocks and the, and the desert is incredible, especially at like, sunrise and sunset. Mm-hmm. We get purples, oranges, reds, yellows. It's just and so vivid as mm-hmm. well it just makes you feel so good to be alive when you're out in the desert I think it's just uh, I'd love to be a park ranger US park ranger I'd work out there all the time that's what I'd do you can I'd love to they need people they it's a big do. big park they all have big parks so yeah when I go back to Colorado I'll be doing um, 
volunteer work as a park ranger because I, I don't have a visa, so I can't get paid. So, wait, are you married? Yeah, oh. but not to an American. Oh and, yeah, that's uh, a problem. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, long term. I mean, my parents are there; they're never going to leave. They've got visas. My sister lives there now. She's um, now an American citizen. So, I mean, further down the line is what I'd like to do: live there, retire there, and. And it's so weird that you can have like a sister or a brother that's living in one country and yeah. like you can't get in, you know? Um, well, now with wait with Trump, it's got to be impossible, right? It's pretty much impossible with him. But it was already hard under Obama and previous administrations too. So um, they have a limit on the number of green card applications. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I look online and stuff, they, it's always exceeded the amount that they've already let in so basically they're not accepting any more applications so just have to play it by ear getting sponsorship is very hard and expensive for people to do so they kind of puts them off Mm -hmm. so yeah dude when i was in college i went to college in uh, san francisco right and when i graduated like i when i grad like a lot of my friends were japanese right you know san francisco in like the late 90s there's yeah. a huge japanese community i'm mm. sure there still is right and there's a little japan town there and stuff yeah a little but, tokyo yeah yeah a little tokyo that's right and the thing is uh when i graduated i had let's see i had at least over 6 or 7 like friends that were girls that as soon as they graduated, not as soon as they graduated, but within a year after they graduated, they, they all started getting married. Right. Right? And just, like, the one that blew me away was Ayano, because Ayano was, like, one of my old roommates, right? And all of a sudden, like, she moved out of, like, our home, you know, because it was, like, me and my ex-girlfriend were living together and stuff. Mm. And anyway, our roommate moved out and stuff, and then next thing we know, she's getting married. She goes, I just got married. And we're just like, what? Who are you dating? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she just married some guy and stuff that's from Hawaii and shit, you know? <laughs> and I hope they're still married. I hope they're happy. I hope everything's wonderful. But then, like, Yuri got married, and then Mumbleco got married. I'm just like, what the fuck? Everybody's getting married. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. And then it, it dawned on me. Oh, yeah. Green cards. <laughs> Everybody just automatically just started getting married because of green cards. So, yeah. yeah. That's the best way to get in. I guess. That's just, but then you're uh, married to somebody you don't really know. <laughs> so that could be like, I mean, shit, dude, that could be, that's like Russian roulette, but instead of one bullet in the chamber, all right, let's say you've got like six cha- empty chambers, right? And you put in like maybe five bullets. Yeah, that that's Russian roulette when you get married. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably end up marrying someone <laughs> like Annie Oakley and probably have her shoot me or something. Oh, God, yeah, After yeah. yeah. Then they argument. shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> I kill you, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. God damn limey. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, with an accent like that, dude, you probably do well off. You know, like, you're like, uh, oh, I can't do a British accent. Well, every time I do a British accent, it always sounds like a schmuck, so. <laughs> but anyway, but I mean. Well, I mean, if, if you look back in history, the old West and, the, and, and, you know, in America during the 1850s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, the, the immigrants that were coming in were coming from all over Europe. And the reality oh, yeah. is, I mean, in Hollywood films, everyone's a white sort of redneck talking white cowboy but well, that's, that's not why they had the post was it called the uh, post-atlantic transatlantic accent so everybody but, trying to develop the same kind of accent so they could be in the movies so everybody sounded quote quote american right and white but the other thing the thing is in reality in the west you had every single european language and person you know living or coming to america in different sections of every city that's why they have a japan town or a china well, deadwood town or... um, which is a famous town up in the dakotas um, have you been you've been there of course it's uh, wild western i haven't actually been to deadwood yet but, oh. but 
they had something. I think in the census they had something like sixty-five different languages spoken at any one time. All the different immigrants. So you had Ukrainian, Russian, Polish, French, German, English, Italian. I mean, you name. They're it. all separate, or they're kind of mixed together. Like they're all mixed runner. up in the town, but because they're all different immigrants, they bring their cultures with them. Mm-hmm. And so, and 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 also African Americans were. You know, you had a lot of African American cowboys. You had Mexican cowboys. I think was, a lot of the cowboys the were African Americans, weren't they? There were loads of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo Soldiers was the U.S. Army's. Uh, Why don't they do like like a black like a uh, cowboy movie? They do. They remade oh, they the did? Magnificent Seven recently with Denzel Washington in the lead role. And I haven't seen this. It's not as. Oh man, I'm fucking up. It's it's a it's a why it's well made it's a well made flick but it's um was it too Hollywood I, I think they should do a new it's... Young Guns with black people like uh, the way cause Young I mean, Guns was great Young Guns the first one was fantastic but they should do a new one because the new one I mean there were tons of like African Americans back then you know there were cowboys so why not keep it legit you know that's it but I mean the regulators which were the cowboys that were in the uh, the Lincoln County War which was the county war with that. Um, Billy the Kid fought it, which was in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Those guys were mainly, I think, all were white Americans or white settlers or Irish, um, Scots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there were some Germans and French. But the regulators had up to like 40 riders with them from all over the place. And only a handful of them actually known who they really were. And the rest of them are kind of mysterious people that drifted in and out. I think everybody story. was kind of a drifter back then, you know? Yeah, it was kind of, as they said, wild. As the West. It was, you know, you know pretty lawless and... Um, it's it's a harsh environment down there, you know, for you, unless you sort of uh, prepared for it. So, but um, I just love it down there. It's just a wonderful place. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I drove through the desert. <laughs> I, I went from Michigan to Los Angeles with a stop in. Uh, well, a couple of stops along the way, of course. One in like Las Vegas, but I was like what, seventeen at the time. So I couldn't, I mean, I enjoyed it, but most of the time we're just in the car. You know, when you're in the car, you know, you're looking around, first it's cornfields. No, first it's forests, then it's cornfields, then it's desert, or mountains, and then desert. And it's desert for a long time. It's big. Yeah, it's very It's massive. Shit, man, that's pretty awesome. But no matter what, you keep on get, you keep on bringing back, you keep on coming back to Tokyo. Well, yeah, I've got a property here and a business here, mm-hmm. so I've got to make sure that they run and everything works. So, is it easy to buy property in Tokyo? As long as you get the money, or as long as you got the money, it'd be okay, you know, and stuff. And and yeah, it's just uh, well, it's like anywhere, isn't it? If you're gonna buy a property and stuff, but you need a guarantor, I guess. Ah, the guarantor. You got to have somebody that's Japanese that says this yeah, guy's yeah, legit, yeah. and that, if he fucks up, I'm gonna pay. Basically, yeah. Oh, God, that's so, got so hardcore. And then, um, yeah, so, yeah, I've got my business here as well. I'm a soccer coach, and I own a, a soccer academy for kids in Yokohama. Cool, so, that's awesome. Um, that sort of uh, pays the bills and everything else, and um, keeps me fit as well, or as fit as I can be. Ah. Dude, you're pretty fit, man. I mean, you're not like, you know, like Rambo or anything, but I mean, seriously. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not muscular or anything, but I'm keeping my weight, my weight down and keeping in shape that way, yeah. No, I, I, dude, people my age, most people my age and shit, they got a gut that's really, like, my gut is, my gut's there. You can see it if you look close enough, right? But I mean, uh, most people my age are like, shit, man, uh, 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 uh. you drink, huh? <laughs> You drink. No. You're a drinker, huh? I mean, with a gut like this, a gut like this is basically like a black belt. So 
to either that or large uh, copious amounts of Coca-Cola and sugary drinks. Oh, you're into, oh, dude, I can't drink Coca-Cola or Pepsi or any of that shit anymore, dude. I like um, Dr. Pepper, I've always liked. So. Dr. Pepper? Occasionally, I still have a Dr. Pepper. Dude, I used to drink, like, soda all the time and shit when I was in the States. Then when I came here and shit, you know, I'm just, just like... Yeah. I don't know. I just started drinking green tea and stuff. I mean, there's so many options when you go to the convenience store. You know, yeah. you, got, you got Coca-Cola, maybe Coke Zero, and then you've got, like... 30, di- oh, well, not 30, but you got like a variety of like green teas and all these other like miscellaneous drinks. And then you got all your alcoholic drinks and shit. And I'm like, ah, what time is it? Noon? I'll get a beer. <laughs> I'll get a- if I just have one beer, it's okay. And in France, people have like a glass of wine with their lunch or whatever. You know, it's fine if I have a beer, you know? Yeah, Europe's very much wine. Um, it's a wine culture, especially south, you know, southern Europe. Yeah. So the French, the Spanish, the Italians, you know, the, and, and, and across the south of the Medi- you know, Mediterranean, they're all very, yeah, they're all wine drinkers and wine producers. Yo, I just saw a document, not just, but I recently saw a documentary about like Sons, you know, like the, the French, the, the people that drink for like wine and stuff, but mm-hmm. they, they, they taste it and they spit it out, right? And when I saw this documentary, I was like, Jesus Christ. All these people are drinking like the best wine in the world. They're they're getting a big mouthful. They're they're like swishing around their mouth and they spit it out and stuff. And I'm like, that is such a fucking waste. Why are they buying? They they, they get these great bottles of wine and they just spit it all out and shit. In Europe, and then these are these are American guys and shit. In right. Europe, do they actually drink it when they go to like wine tasting? Do they drink it or do they also spit it out? Because I was thinking, you know. If they do that in America, in Europe and shit, they're like more classy. They know more about wine and stuff. They're like, fuck spitting. Let's drink this shit. That's what it's made for, you know? Yeah, they might just try it as a taste there so they don't get drunk beforehand, before choosing. But that's part of the game, man. Buy the ticket, take the ride. It's a different thing. Um, also in Europe, when they do drink it, it's like a cultural thing. So it's like, especially like Italy and France, they'll start a lunch and it will go right the way through the afternoon, like four hours or something. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll eat and drink slowly, you know, mm-hmm. to a glass here, taking the ambience of the conversation and the atmosphere of the people they're with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's drawn out. It's nicely drawn out. Whereas in England, they binge drink. Yeah. You know, they just sink, 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 get, tr- you know, get drunk, chuck up somewhere, and then go home and have a headache the next morning. <laughs> it's like, where's the joy in that, you know? But uh, There's a lot of joy in that. <laughs> So Northern Europe, yeah, they're they're beer drinkers, and in Southern Europe, they're wine drinkers. Well, at least they're drinking it. The, the whole spitting thing. When I saw that, I was like, I, I knew about it. I knew they spit the wine after they tasted it. So I was just like, dude, drinking is part of the process, you know. I'd... But if you go to a beer festival in the UK, what they do is they uh, they give you a thimble. A thimble, okay. A thimble of beer, so you can just taste the beer enough to decide whether you like the taste or not, and then you can order a pint. Wait, a thimble, is it like a shot glass or like a half shot? Or no, a thimble is literally as, as, is it wide, actually as just... wide as your thumb. It's really? So it is like rubber. a thimble? It is a thimble, a little, a little metal thimble. And, and they just put a tiny bit of beer in there and you taste it. And you can do that with all of them, that way you don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But well, you, you, you can, can, but those are a lot of thimbles. <laughs> you have to go through hundreds of the thousands of the bastards. But, <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you can choose the one from that and then go from there. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we don't do thimbles on this show. <laughs> no, we just do cans. Yeah, you're out, right? No, I'm still drinking. I'm halfway through this one. Half- I've still got half of that as well. Jesus Christ, I'm really fucking out of this shit. But I don't want any more of that. You can have a tug on that if you want. Nah, I don't do tugs. I only do cans. Uh, shit, right? Well, how about this? We'll take a break. 
And then when we take a break and stuff, we'll get some more beers, and then we'll come back and shit, and then we're going to do the news. What do you think? Sounds cool. Sounds cool? Yep. All right, Mike. All right, we'll see you after these commercials. Hey, yo, what's up, Baders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, Faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com. That's www.gamuso.com. That's right. Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me. Oh, shit. Well, you already opened your beer? Yeah. Awesome. Well, how, how is this? What is this? this pale Ale. Suntory Craft, to- Suntory Tokyo Craft uh, Pale Ale. How is it? 
It's I've had this one before. Okay-ish. Mm. Okay, for a pale ale at a 7-Eleven, it's pretty decent. But out of all the pale ales I've had, it's, it's pretty like, poor. Yeah, it's like number three. Three out of ten, you know? <laughs> it's pretty good, though. What's the alcohol content of this? We usually do a POW, which is called the pick of the week. Uh, this one's 5%, so it's not too high. 5%? Eh, it's usually about 5, 3, 5, 6. Yeah, six, yeah it's zero. all right, though. I mean... Yeah. Anything below 5 sucks. 5 to, like, maybe 9 is a good beer. And then maybe 10 to, like, 15, then you taste the alcohol. That's, that's the way I see it when it comes to beer. I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> I've mm. noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who hasn't? Oh, man. All right, are you ready? You cool? Yeah. All right, sweet. All right, faders. Here we are. We're back. We're back from the store. <laughs> we had to go to the convenience store. We had to get our bearings straight. And uh, now that we got more beers and uh, we're ready to do the news. So what we usually do is we do the top five most bizarre and interesting stories happening in Tokyo. But time's kind of a limit. We're kind of uh, limited on time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do two of the best stories of this week. And so, Mike... I think you've got a pretty good story in your hands. Yeah, it's a crime story, and the headline goes as follows. It yes. Says, uh, doctor arrested for using spy pen to film up woman's skirt. Like Inspector Gadget. It is a bit like that. And this is a story from Chiba Prefecture, which is a prefecture uh, just outside Tokyo. And it, the um, news item uh, is as follows. Yes. It says that police in Chiba City have arrested a 34-year-old doctor after he was caught using a spy pen to film up a woman's skirt on an escalator at JR Chiba Station. Chiba Station! Exactly. According to police, the incident occurred at around 5pm Sunday. Fuji TV reported this. Police said that uh, Takahiro Ishii, who works at a nearby hospital, followed a 26-year-old woman up the escalator and used a pen with a camera attached to it to film up her skirt. So, what do you think? Do you think, like, he, he pretended like he fell, he tripped and fell, and then he pulled on, like, a, a notepad and he's going to write something down? <laughs> well, it says here that the train station security guard noticed Ishii acting suspiciously and caught him in the act. A pen is kind of weird. That, that's interesting because, I mean, a pen is just like a pencil, right? <laughs> so he's got to, like, reach under and then stick that up and then move it around or something, you know? Or or he's like, I don't know, maybe he's doing, like, he's in the movie Splash, right? Oh, gosh, many years ago, yeah. Yeah, you know, John Candy, when he was a kid, he would drop a bunch of quarters on the ground, right? And then he'd, like, fall on the ground and try to pick up the quarters and then look up girls' like skirts, right? That was, like, John Candy's thing when he was a kid. Maybe this guy, if he, like, threw, like, notepads on the ground, he's like, Whoa! I gotta, like, write my name on all these checks so I can get paid! <laughs> that, that's pretty bizarre. What is your take on this story? That was just, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Um, uh huh. Obviously, the guy has problems, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you get these stories from time to time in Japan, you know, the groper on the train or out on the street or on escalators, as you say here. So um, it's just another one of those uh, uh, pervert stories. Well, this is the first time as a pen. Like, I've heard many times where people, like, perverts, they put, like, a camera on their shoe, right? So they had a shoe camera, and they stick their shoe camera underneath, like, a girl's skirt, right? Right. And, I mean, that that was, like, really abundant. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, a special kind of shoe that they don't sell anymore? Or <laughs> maybe no they don't get the idea. camera new. I don't know. 
But um, now I, I, it's a pen, a pen camera, right? But this guy's a doctor, right? Doesn't I mean if he's a doctor, doesn't he see like a lot of like Putin any like all the time and shit? You know, I mean for physicals or maybe he wanted to be a gynecologist. Maybe he's trying to study to be a gynecologist, and maybe this is like homework for him. I got no idea what's going on in that guy's mind, so uh, only he knows that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, also, there's like tons of porn on the internet. Doesn't this guy know about the internet? Because I mean, if he just like takes on his phone and hits a couple of keys on his phone, he can see tons of that shit. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I guess it's legal on your phone, right? Know, if maybe. you see it on your phone, or... I got no idea. Well, I know. Maybe that's what he enjoys. You know, the, the thrill of filming uh, and the possibility of getting caught. Perhaps I don't know. Um, oh, you mean it's like the rush? It could be that, yeah. There's a rush to this. He's like, man, but a pen. The, the pen is not mightier than the sword in this case. <laughs> what would be the sword? <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, i got no idea, but it's a strange one. But, it's a, yeah, it's a typical, yeah, pervy story, I guess. And, yeah, it's not the first time we've seen that kind of story, so. Do you think he's going to lose his license? Do you think he can become a gynecologist after this? I very much doubt it. I think he'll be lucky <laughs> if he... Uh, He'd be working in 7-Eleven after this, I guess. I wonder what kind of a doctor he was. Now, that's a good question, you know? Mm, doesn't say, does it? Doesn't psychiatrist? Say. It just says a doctor. Could be anything. Could be anything. Maybe he was a psychiatrist, you know? He's like fucking sitting May all even day. not be a medical doctor. It could be a doctor of science. Could be a doctor of many other. A chiropractor. <laughs> I'm just any, sick yeah. of breaking people's backs. I, all this stress is building up in my mind. Or maybe he's a psychiatrist, right? And fucking all he does is listen to people talk about their fucking boss and shit. Every day, day in, day out. Boss, wife, boss, wife, husband, wife, husband, 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 boss. And he's freaking out and she's like, oh, God, I, can't, I need some kind of an outlet. Maybe a pen. Oh, no idea. <laughs> a it's pen just... with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, obviously you can't defend anything like that, so... No, you can't defend that. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're making fun of what we're doing. You and me, we're a couple of Robins, right? Batman and Robin, we're a couple of Robins. We're exactly. drinking, we're getting faded and shit, and we're fucking making fun of all the fucking jokers, right? That's our way. We're fighting crime right now. Holy pen cameras, Batman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Now you got it. So the thing is, I mean, this guy's obviously going to go to jail. His life's fucking over. And he might... Will he lose his license? He might. He might I would not. imagine so. They'd be struck off, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, shit, dude. Yeah, I mean, you don't want that guy. I mean, shit. I mean... It's a lot of... It's a lot to lose for such a stupid, small... Act. I mean, that's just... Crazy, really. But, yeah. Obviously, he knew what he was doing. And he'd gone along with it. And he's got caught for it, so... I, I just wonder what his technique was. You know, did he have a notepad in one hand and a pen in the under, other and shit? He's like, he's really going down. He's like, oh, I'm just trying to write down something. I'm a, a sketch. A sketch. I'm writing down a medication for somebody. <laughs> I'm cashing a check. And, you know, maybe that that's what was suspicious. You know, all of a sudden, like, the security guard's like, wait a second. Nobody cashes checks anymore. They all got debit cards and credit cards. Everybody's using Bitcoin in Tokyo these days. Or no, no one cashes checks that have been on the floor while you're looking up a skirt. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. He had one eye down and one eye up. Oh, one in man. Cork and the other one in York. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. There we go. Oh, man. Well, this guy fucking, well, sayonara to medical school. All right. Next story. Okay, I'm going to read this one. Yep. You've got a better accent than me, though. 
Well, it depends what it's for, but... Uh, <laughs> it's for the news. <laughs> it's for singing Vegas style. I think I got this one. All right. So, okay, our next story. Oh, let me ask you, Mike. Mm. Have you ever been on an island like Gilligan's Island? Uh, not really, no. I mean, the only island you've been on is uh, Japan, right? <laughs> well, I've been on a small island. Uh, Saipan, I've been to. That's a small island. Saipan? Yeah. Okay. Canvey Island in Essex in England. Right. If there's 100 people <laughs> on Gilligan's Island, right. how long do you think it would take 100 people to find Gilligan on Gilligan's Island? Because remember the beginning of the TV show, they show the island. That island's relatively yeah, yeah. small. I mean, it's not like Lost, the TV show Lost. That island was pretty big, but Gilligan's Island looked pretty small when they showed, like, you know, the, like, the view of it yeah, yeah. in the beginning, you know? You'd think they'd find him within 20 minutes, wouldn't you? To find him in 20 minutes? Okay. Yeah, I guess. Well, here we go. Well, this at least story... before the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> or the season. Mm. Okay, here we go. Um, this is about an island, right. not Tokyo, but Japan. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> hundreds of police search for escaped thief. Tokyo. Hundreds of, es- oh. <laughs> hundreds of Japanese police search on Thursday for a convict thief. A convicted thief who escaped from prison and believed to be on a small island with an abundant, uh, abundant hideouts. Shouldn't it be abundant amount of hideouts. Abundant hideouts. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. abundant hideouts. About one thousand houses made vacant by an aging and shrinking population. Uh, Tatsuma Hiroa, twenty-seven years old, has been at large since Sunday when he fled from a low-security prison in Ehim Prefecture while serving a five and a half year sentence for theft. Five, he couldn't do a five-year bit. What a pussy! Mm. Police suspect. Police suspect he drove a stolen car along a seven, seventy-kilometer bridge and highway system connecting several islands near Ehim and got off on an island of Mukashima near Hiroshima, which has a population of about 16,000. TV reports show police visiting every home and searching every empty house and hut. They have huts. <laughs> There's huts in Japan. I didn't even know this. Vehicles were stopped at checkpoints causing rare traffic jams on a usually quiet island. Several cases of theft have been reported to police since the jailbreak, and Hirano's fingerprints have been detected. The car which police believe he used for his getaway has been found on the island. See, that's his first mistake. Yeah. Police released <coughs> Hiroma's photo and asked for help finding fingerprints and him while urging residents to be cautious and lock their homes and vehicles. I hope they lock their huts, too. <laughs> Police also used drones and sniffer dogs. That's awesome that the cops got drones now. Yeah, so they like, can't find him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't think the cops need to fucking go anywhere. They could just use drones. Like, send our drone army to the island. There's, like, drones searching all over the place and shit. You know what they got drones? They have, uh, what's it called? Heat? Was it heat vision? Mm. Like, in, in the UK and stuff, there's people using heat vision to fucking do, like, music videos and shit. Like, hip-hop videos where they're doing, like, hip-hop videos using mm. drones and shit. Mm. That's pretty cool and shit, right? So, but now, I mean, they could use that just to find anybody, right? I guess. All right. Dogs. They don't even need dogs anymore. Sniffer dogs. 
As they search, as the search continues, residents have increasingly uh, unease, and parents began escorting their children home from school. Island officials in Sumiko Noshimoto said, Hiramo, Hirao uh, was arrested in 2013 after robbing a barber shop in Fukuoka. He robbed a barber shop. How much money can, does a barber shop have, dude? Well, then again, some bar it was a barber shop. That's for dudes. It's usually like a thousand yen, about ten bucks a pop. Yeah, it's not much, is it? I mean, he's not going to make a lot of money there. No, not at all. This guy's a fucking moron on top of being a moron. What a schmuck. What a schmuck. In uh, other cities in Kyushu, according to local reports, it wasn't clear why he targeted barbers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was bald. He's like, fuck you, barbers. <laughs> you got all the money. <laughs> You've been cutting my hair for ages. Now I'm taking my money back now that I got no hair. Either that or he had a quiff obsession. A quiff is maybe, <laughs> or maybe he was robbing them of fucking hair. You know, maybe he's trying to he's trying to get into the wig business. There's a lot of money in the wig business here. There's a lot of toupees. Who knows what he's? It just sounds like another weirdo, just as bad as the guy on the on the escalator with the pen. Yeah, totally. But I mean, he's robbing barber shops and he gets five years and he can't take a five year bit. Yeah, but the five years is also in a in a minimum security prison, which is kind of like. I don't know what he's trying to run away from unless he was getting abused or something. Oh, I mean, any prison you go to is not going to be good. But, I mean, five... God, then again, if you escape from a five-year prison and you get caught, then you got, like, what, 20, <coughs> 20 to life? I, I really don't know what the, uh, the sentencing would be for that. No, I couldn't imagine it would be um, that dramatic. Well, it can't be life. But, it, I mean, if you, but if he escapes from a prison, then he puts, like, shame. I'm like, oh, he could have six months slapped on his sentence, I guess, or something, or three months or something for running away, or... Oh, well, it's got to be more than that. I mean, jeez, I mean... Just but if he's committing crimes again, like if he's robbing after he's run away, then he's going to be charged for that as well. So. Or he stole a car, a home yeah. invasion. Okay, so that's two. Robbery. Three. Holy shit. Who knows? Uh, so he could uh, probably get another five or six years put on top of what he's already had. Oh, God, yeah. The maximum security? Well, you know what they're like here, don't you? I mean, they'll, they'll throw the book at him. Oh, no, they're going to throw the book at this guy. But, I mean, he deserves it. I mean, robbing a barber shop, dude. Barbers are generally pretty nice here, you know? Have you ever <laughs> met a barber that's been a bad guy? I haven't. Every single barber I've had has been a pretty nice person. Only in QB cut house. <laughs> wait, 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 are they mean? They're like, get over here, sit down, Most bitch. of them right, but occasionally you get one that's just a bit sort of a... <laughs> really? Every time I get my hair cut, it's all right, you know? You go to QBs? No, I, oh, I used okay. to. When I first came to Japan, I used to go to QBs and stuff. Because it's like 10 bucks for a haircut. That's right. But, you know, they give me like almost like a, the equivalent of a bowl cut, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, well, I can't really do much of this. But I wear a cap most of the time, so I'm fine. But, yeah. yeah, you know, but now I go to, like, a real barber, and the real barber takes care of me, you know? Yeah, and I get a little massage to go with it on the shoulders and neck and stuff. I don't it's get the massage. Nice. I don't, oh, you get no, the massage? Lose. Of course I do. <laughs> wait, wait, and the shoulders, right? <laughs> what kind shoulders of massage are you talking neck. about? Shoulders and neck and head. It's just, just and the like, head? What are you talking about? The, <laughs> the, head, head, the head on my shoulders. Oh, okay, there we go. Let's <laughs> be very uh, uh, clear and specific about that. No, you, you really have to on this show. But, I mean, <laughs> fuck this guy, dude. He's fucking robbing barbers. Yeah, it's not good. It's a, it's a hair-raising situation to be in. <laughs> and now he's fucking hiding in a hut. I mean, this guy is pretty much like Gilligan Island. And if they can't find him, what does that say about the cops? I mean, come on. If you can't find a guy on the tiny island and he's giving you the runaround, then there's something going on. <laughs> 
<laughs> this guy's obviously not smart. You know what he probably did? He probably buried himself in the sand so his, his head is sticking out. <laughs> and the police will still miss it. <laughs> Maybe. I, don't, I, I bet they're going to find this guy. I probably This this story's from like uh, two days ago. They're, they're going to find this guy in the next couple of days. I mean, I've never been to this island, but I'm, I'm assuming... It's like Japan. All right, you've got Tokyo. Tokyo or Japan. Japan's a big island, right? But then you got uh, you got Fukuoka. No, Fukuoka's an island too. That's Shikoku, right? That's you a got big Shikoku. Island. This is Honshu Island, which is the mainland. And yeah. You got Shikoku, you've got Okinawa, you've got uh, Hokkaido, and then you've got tiny islands dotted around. Hey, there's many little islands and stuff. But for him to be on one of these little islands, it can't be that hard. Especially if they got drones and dogs. But I don't know the dog if they're gonna find him with the dog inside because the dog's gonna go after everybody. But the he drones probably escaped in a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> what North Korea build this guy out? <laughs> Maybe. He's probably on his way back to Pyongyang. Oh no, no, that's going from bad. That's going from bad to much, much, much worse, dude. Oh god, dude, from one prison to like max, going from minimal prison to like the maximum, most maximum you can get. <laughs> Forget about that, but. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, I think the cops are going to find this guy. I mean, I, I should do, like, a, a gambling pool, you know? Like, how long is it going to take the cops to find this guy? That I'm, would be good. You could take um, a sweepstake on it, couldn't you? Like, uh, you could have times, like, is it going to take one day, two days, three days, a week, or a month, and see who comes out closest? I'm going to go three days. Three days. Okay. Three days. As long as that. Well, well dude, if they got hundreds of cops in a small little island... With yeah. drones and dogs? I think they won't find him. <laughs> I think he's gotten away. He's probably given them the slip. He's He's gone. No, no. This guy's obviously not smart enough, dude. Unless he's so unless he's so stupid that he's a genius. You know, like one of those guys. Like, they're so dumb. Clouseau. That they're good. Yeah, like, like Inspector, Inspector Clouseau, yeah. No, Inspector Gadget, right? Inspector Gadget was a moron. <laughs> or fucking, like, Mr. Beam. A complete moron. But for some reason, he always went up on top, you know? I don't know, man. I, I see... I, three days. Three days. I give this guy three days. Uh, I, I, I'll say he's gone already. <laughs> yeah. He well, swam off somewhere else. He's probably gone. Or he's no. in a cave somewhere. Yeah, I, I think they're going to find this guy. Alright, if he does escape, that means he's fucking dead in a cave. And they're going to find his bones. Like, maybe they'll find his bones in, like, five years. You know, some kid's going to be fucking like, like looking for buried treasure somewhere, like pirate treasure. And all of a sudden they're going to find like a skull or something. They usually do that near Mount Fuji in the forest. But, uh, uh <laughs> yeah, but that's true. There's a lot of dead bodies around there, but yeah. Have you ever been there? No, not actually into the interior of the forest. No. Yeah, I, I've been around the forest and stuff. I've been to Mount Fuji and I've seen the forest and stuff. Yeah, I, I have driven been... through on the actual roads, but I haven't actually gone off onto the dirt tracks and actually into the forest itself. Yeah, I was with my host family at the time and shit. They're like, oh yeah, that's a forest where many people go to die and stuff, you know. But also, the, your compasses don't work in there as well. It actually plays havoc. There's a magnetic uh, field that's been deflected, so you can't actually use your compass. You lose your bearings, and that's why people sometimes get lost in that forest. Why would you go in a forest that has so many negatives like that? Well, that's, I mean, that's your intent. You um, know? It's also, it also must be a beautiful forest as well. I mean... It's really dense. Yeah, it is I, super I, dense. I, I, I'd imagine it is. Um, yeah. I've just not been into the interior. I've had no reason to go there. Why should I? You know? No, but I, now there's like a lot of tourists that are really interested in going there. So I think people have been posting videos about suicides and crap down there. But oh, uh, like um, that fucking American guy. What's his name? Yeah, uh, I know the Mr. guy you pa- mean. Paul Logan Paul. Yeah, that yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. cuck. So yeah, that son of a 
bitch. Even before that, son of a bitch. Even before that, there's been documentaries on it as well. Yeah, Vice did a huge documentary on that. I knew about that stuff from '87 when I first came over here, and it it was kind of fascinating. But at the same time, I thought I don't really want to go there because you know, if people have died there, so I'll just leave them in peace. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be down there um, disturbing anything and stuff. So. Well, I mean, if you go in there looking for fucking badness, you're going to fucking find evil, you know, or badness or just death. I mean, fucking... It's very sad, though, isn't it? I mean, people that go down there to do that, it's just a sad place, and... I don't know. It could probably fuck up your life with karma and shit. You're like a good, you know, normal person and shit, but you got some kind of weird, morbid interest and shit. You go there, and fucking next thing you know, you're fucking like... Your life is just fucking ravished with bad luck and shit, dude. If there's a crack, you're gonna step on it and shit. If there's lotto, you're never gonna win it and stuff. I mean, shit, dude. I mean, it can really fuck up your life. I mean, think about the karma, dude. <laughs> your karma is out the window after you go in there. Yeah, stay away from that fucking place. It's similar when, I, when I'm in the States. I mean, there are certain areas that are considered uh, sacred by the uh, Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for the same reason, I, I won't go there because they don't want me to go there. I've not got no reason to be there, so mm. why go there? <laughs> well, unless you you got a really, you... and it's just a bit of respect for people's culture and just for human beings in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm never gonna go there, so yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those places you hear about it. It's there, and that's it. You know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, don't go there, faders. <laughs> Hell, I'm too busy to go down there. Yeah, shit. I mean, fucking, if you're in Tokyo, there's so much going on here. Or if you're in Osaka, there's even more shit going on. Osaka's fucking great. I love Osaka. It's fucking a great place. Yeah, don't go to Suicide Forest. Go to Osaka! (laughs) You know, that should be a postcard. (laughs) Or (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, next story. Okay, when I said there's going to be two stories, I lied. There's three. (laughs) Your story. Yep, last one coming up. This is another crime story, and it's uh, the headline goes as follows. Hmm. Uh, Amnesty accuses Japan of breaching international rules on the death penalty. Death penalty. And uh, this is from uh, London, this particular um, news item. It's uh, Amnesty International accused the Japanese government of flouting international norms on Thursday by executing death row inmates who were seeking retrials. The human rights organisation noted that uh, for the first time since 1999, Japan last year executed people who had their appeals for retrial pending before the courts. This was the case in three of the four executions in the country in 2017. Speaking at the release of the group's annual death penalty report, uh, Chiara Sangorgio, uh, I think that's the name correctly spelled there, mm. uh, pronounced, uh, Amnesty International's advisor on the death penalty told Kyodo News... What was noticeable last year was that the government breached some of its own practices as we saw people who were applying for retrial being executed. We also saw someone executed in December, even though he qualified under Japanese law as a minor at the time of the crime. So it feels as if things are not improving and we see the sort of cruelty in which the death penalty is being used with the government going back on some of its own practices. Amnesty claims these actions represent a breach of protections recognised under Japanese and international laws and signal a departure from the practice observed for 20 years. Uh, San Giorgio also expressed concern about the fate of the 13 members of the Om Shin Rikyo cult on death row for carrying out the 
1995 sarin nerve gas attack on the Tokyo subway system that killed 13 people and left over 6,000 people ill. So death sentences have been finalised for the cult members, while some of those convicted are reported to be seeking retrials. We believe the death penalty does not deter crime and these executions will do little to improve security in the country, the Amnesty Advisor said. Uh, we think that if the cult members are applying for a retrial, then the grounds for doing so must be considered given previous cases of unsound convictions, she said. Adding that the group is uh, concerned about several death row prisoners who are displaying symptoms of mental and intellectual disability. In Japan in 2017, Amnesty recorded uh, four executions and three death sentences issued. And by the end of the year, 123 people had their death sentences finalised by the courts. So the organisation expressed a concern that the, the 2017 figures represented a small increase on the numbers recorded for each of the year between 2014 and 2016. But while Japan's capital punishment has drawn international criticism, a majority of the Japanese public supports it. A 2014 government survey showed that 80.3% of Japanese people aged 20 or older favoured capital punishment. So down from a record 85.6% in the previous survey in 2009. So Amnesty International recorded at least 993 executions in 23 countries in 2017. Wow. Down by 4% from 2016. Wow. Negligible, really. But most executions took place in China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Pakistan. Oh. And China remains the world's top executioner, but the data is classified as a secret state. Well, sorry, as a state secret. So uh, Amnesty uh, estimates thousands are executed in China. Uh, per annum. Shit. Uh, that, that's the, that the particular item. Um, What's your take on this one? Japan doesn't usually execute many people. Um, the, there are two points to this story that I'd like to say. The first thing is, if someone's applied for a retrial, you can't execute them while they're in the midst of a retrial, a trial or a retrial, until that's actually gone through and then they've been reconvicted and it's been established that they're that the death penalty is going to be carried out. I'm actually against the death penalty anyway. I'm 100%? What about the Om guys? I mean, the Om guys, those 6,000 people that were hurt, all of them are really, I mean, hurt is not just like, oh, you know, they got a boo-boo. Hurt means like they can't function yeah, in society. I know, and a lot of people listening will probably disagree with me completely. I mean, um, it's it's a nice, easy way to sort of finish things off and, and it, it's very vengeful and it, it probably makes some people feel better about it afterwards. It doesn't bring back the dead. Um, of course, they shouldn't get away with anything like that. I mean, they should be in prison. When they say, they say life in prison, but that should be for the rest of your life if you carry out something like that. But you as a taxpayer paying a shitload of money for them to like... Then again, in Japan, prison's really not a fun place. Prison's never a fun place, you know, but I mean, Japan, it's not fun at all. You do the not only, want to go to prison. Exactly, and it, and it should be like that. But the only problem with state execution is it's just really um, legalised murder. I mean, where's the difference? So that that's where I would draw the line. And obviously in the States, they, they still execute people. Uh, in other countries around the world, they did, as you, as you heard in the news bulletin. Um, I come from the UK. We, we've actually stopped executing people. We stopped in the 60s um, due to a, a, 
a miscarriage of justice where someone was executed um, who was actually innocent. His name was Timothy Evans. Please look him up on Wikipedia. Um, he was um, someone that suffered from mental illness and stuff and was a little bit slow and uh, admitted to crimes that he didn't actually commit under pressure and uh, they basically hung him. And, uh, and it was proved later that someone else who lived in the flat above him was actually carrying out the murders, which was uh, uh, Christie. Um, it was the Christie murders. And, um, yeah, Timothy Evans w was executed, for, you know, was an innocent. And that's the problem with the death sentence, the death penalty, is you have to be 100% sure of what you're doing before you do it. Because if you, you know, how many other people in the system around the world are just put on there for political reasons or that trumped up charges or have been framed or... I mean, it's endless. Yeah, I guess you're right. Fuck, that is tough. Yeah. This is a company show. <laughs> no, I didn't mean like, to get heavy there, but I was just... Oh, so, but, man. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, the... I'm trying to find an angle. I'm like, well, I can find some comedy in this some way, but now I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man, this is a fucking uh, tough one. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Um, having said that, they are murdering bastards, and therefore a lot of people won't have any sympathy with them for... You know, if they are put to death, but, but that, obviously, you know, that's that's what's going to happen. I have no say on what goes on, mm -hmm. uh, and that's all there is to it. But um, yeah, what they did was absolutely unforgivable, terrible, and yeah, what, what can you say? Well, you can't really say much. But the thing is, this though, all right, does Japan execute people in the most humane way? Oh, their method is hanging, isn't it? It's. it's is, is there a humane a humane way? Well, would it be lethal injection? Yeah, but they've shown that that's also had problems where the dosage has been wrong or the wrong drug or the person's taken 20 minutes, half an hour to die. And Same thing with the hanging sometimes. If the rope's not long enough, it doesn't break the neck and shit, so they're just they're hanging that, and the electric chair, you've got people that, that explode and their eyes pop out and things and uh, other ways. I mean... I think the guillotine's pretty good, but the thing is with the guillotine, they've proven that the head, the mind stays alive for at least, uh, was it 30 seconds, 45 no, seconds? No, a couple of minutes. Up to the, I think about two or three minutes. But really? the oxygen is still uh, traveling around the brain and the awareness is still there. Shit. So, yeah, as I'm saying, is, is there a right way to do it? So, um, oh, I, yeah. I have no idea, but um, fuck yeah, this is, this is dark, man. This is really dark. This is dark. You went there, man. You brought the news item up, pal. <laughs> I gave you an option of stories. You're like, let's do this one. This one's going to be fucking heavy metal. The only reason I brought that one up is because it was interesting. And it's because you can look at it from different perspectives. Uh, the, the UK law on, on murder is different. You, you go to prison for life, but you're not executed. Whereas in Japan and in the US, in certain states, you are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And the problem is, well, sometimes they're innocent, you know? And you will get this miscarriage of justice, and then how do you how do you, you justify it? You can't. There's no way to justify it. So and like, yeah, so that's my argument about it. But I mean, it doesn't mean that the person should get away with it. I'm not saying that at all. Mm -hmm. Life means life. They should go to prison for the rest of their life and be miserable as fuck. Yeah, you know. So whatever. Do you think that make them even more miserable? Somebody should pull on like a TV and show like like really good dramas. You know, and the drama has a cliffhanger. Like, maybe they show them, like, the first episode of Lost, but they don't show them the second episode. Or the first episode of Prison Break, they're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then they don't show them the second one. So then they're fucking, like, for the rest of their life, they're just like, what happened in Lost, you know? <laughs> no TV, no music, no fun. 
No, it was just, <laughs> just show them a little bit, just to show them that they missed out on fucking like great TV. TV right now is fucking awesome. Let's be honest. Netflix and shit. I mean, fucking Fargo. Show the first episode of Fargo just to get them really amped up, and then fucking don't like, see. Um, and then call that the death sentence because for the rest of their life they're wishing for death because they're like, if I don't know what happens after the first episode of Fargo, I want death. They're in there for murdering yet you're showing them TV shows of people murdering people. Well, <laughs> well I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, Boardwalk well, Empire I used to watch, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. The first couple of seasons were good and well, stuff. Richard but, Farrow in there was kind of cool. So. Yeah, but I mean, shit. I mean, fucking. All right, then they got to make prison even darker because prison's like the same thing. Once you get a routine, the human body can survive a routine. I mean, they just get into the routine. They just do it every day. You you become institutionalized. In the institution, right? So somehow break up the institution by giving them really good TV. Hey, guess what? In the real world, we've got this, and they just give them a little taste, and then make their life even more miserable. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't know. No, all right. Well, I was just saying that's this is an option. Saying it's yeah. better than the death penalty, you know, because I was kind of going towards the death penalty. Some crimes are pretty fucking heinous, you know. Yeah, I've been into some things that you just read, and it just makes you, you know, your hair stand on end, or you, you know, it's just unbelievable horrors. But um, I don't know. I just I don't know if it's the right way, but yeah. Well, all right, well, we're going to leave it at that then. Because <laughs> there's no way you can debate this. I mean, you can debate it, but it's just going to yeah, go on I'm forever, just, you know? just putting it out there. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, other people will say, you know, fuck you. I've, I've lost someone through murder, and I want... An eye for an eye or something, right? You're going to get that. There's yeah. going to be a lot of blind, toothless people around. But um, Well, the man... I don't know, it's just, it's just the thing. I, I don't subscribe to the, to the death penalty, but it's capital punishment. Yeah, I just think it's as barbaric as people do it. You're as bad as they are, but you just stay supported to do it. Legally. So don't do it, <laughs> faders. Don't do it. But this is about the human condition. I mean, the human race is, you know, it just creates, does, can do beautiful things, and at the same time can be can do evil things. That's true. And you know, you got you've got beauty in the world, and humans can do can be compassionate, they can be loving, they can be amazing, they can be creative. And yet they can be so destructive, they can be so evil, they can be so heinous as yin you say. Yin yang, yin and yang, and it's the two extremes. And when you see the the negative, it sometimes makes you wonder oh, I don't know, why are humans around. Like maybe we should just be wiped off the face of the planet. And then when you see the beautiful things, it just restores your faith in humanity again. Yeah. So there, there are positives and negatives. It depends what happens, what you experience in your life, to how you're gonna perceive it and view it. I guess so. I blame diet, man. We, we've got too much McDonald's in the world, man. I think life before McDonald's, people are, like, happier. Yeah, <laughs> I more guess. Pizza. You but... get all this greasy shit food and stuff. People are going berserker sometimes. So <laughs> you know, the, the news in Japan was so much better before McDonald's showed up. And Starbucks, I go, I, oh, God. I don't go to McDonald's much, but, I mean, I used to like Johnny Rockets in America. Johnny Rockets is all right. They got a fine burger over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Johnny Rockets was cool. Oh, they got a good shake, man. A chocolate shake yeah. at Johnny Rockets. That's yeah. Just a badass motherfucker. Seriously. And strawberry shakes, too. Oh, yeah. Just in case you don't know out there, Johnny Rockets is a 1950s-style U.S. diner, and they do hamburgers, fries, and milkshakes, and shit like that. And I do recommend <laughs> Most of the people that listen to the show don't live in Japan. <laughs> well, actually, no. They... I don't know. We got a... Kind of a boost. I don't know, yeah. We got people from everywhere. But yeah, I think there was a little spike. But yeah, I haven't checked in a while. But anyway, fitters, yeah, Johnny Rockets. If you don't know, you should go there. My name's Johnny. How could it be wrong? How could it be bad? But I'll tell you one thing, the death penalty, 
Kind of bad. <laughs> Is that right? You good? Yeah, I'm fine. Yep, yep, yep. Mike, thank you so much. What I want you to do right now is just plug whatever you got, everything you got. Plug your music, plug your, your videos, plug it all. Uh, get out there, listen on YouTube and uh, iMovie, uh, no, iMovie's um, iTunes store and um, various other places online. Get out. Okay, when they go there, what do they look for? What's, Check what for Blip Pilot or Ferrograph Tape Machine. With an F. Uh, with an F at the beginning. And, um, yeah, just check out some sounds, see if you like it. You know, um, enjoy yourselves, enjoy your lives, be good to each other, uh, love one another, and um, have a good life, that's all I want to say. Man, what a happy show today. Wow, this is unusual. Faders, thank you very much for tuning in. Definitely go to our Patreon page, check out the Spilt Ink and all our other sponsors. They love you, so you should love them back. And uh, we'll definitely see you next week. Oh, by the way, I will be in Berlin. So for all our listeners in Europe, if you live in Europe, and I know a lot of you motherfuckers do, get your fade on with me in Berlin. Check out, uh, all you gotta do is Google uh, Beat Freak. B-E-A-T-F-R-E-K. Get your freak out get your beat on with me with booze I'm going to be drinking so much German beer my liver is going to motherfucking explode in that country and I hope you're there with me so all you European faders I hope to see you soon das ist sehr gut das ist sehr gut peace yeah. my little brother a goddamn shit sucking vampire oh you wait till mom finds out buddy I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Cow, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Eh, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.